I always end up coming back to myself, to the repetition, to the isolation, to the peace or the pain and heartache of today. Because actually it's only my perception of today being what I think it is, boring or meaningless or great or unbearable pain and heartache. But it is really possible to feel immediately a freedom from the suffering of that perception just by knowing it as a heartache, not me, not a person whose heart aches. So that means I can take self-view out of my experience, of the experience, not mine, and just know it in its multifaceted way as undifferentiated energy. If I can do that, then I am thrust into a learning mode rather than a suffering mode. And I become the witness, not the victim. And it all becomes bearable. Not only that, it takes me to spiritual freedom, to happiness. This is the practice. Okay, it doesn't last, but a little at a time, day by day, moment to moment. Surely this is the Buddha's teaching. The only serenity and beauty of life is to be found inside this old heart, each of us in our own heart. No one should ever feel redundant, not even for a moment, because we definitely are not. We may feel it, but we must not believe it. In Dhamma, redundant is great. So if we are made redundant, it is Dhamma redundant. And it means that we're putting down the burden. Who is this we? It doesn't exist. So the mind has come out of this cave of ignorance. And to hurt is a teaching that helps us grow. 
It really is. One thing we will do by understanding our suffering is grow. Because we are stretching. It's so painful. It's like birth. When it pains, we can try to just call it pain instead of running away from it. Can we just call it by its true name instead of wriggling out of it or wishing it would go away or begging it to be anything other than what it is? Just for one moment, no pain as pain and feel it, nothing else. Just feeling it, knowing it, and naming it, we will be able to take a deep breath and notice. Look in there. See it. Taste it. It may grow bigger. It may ease. It will change. It has to. If it's joyful, fearful, or pleasing, within our own awareness, each of these states seems so very real. And yet, we see that they are fleeting, insubstantial. They cannot be grasped. This is the point where we can begin to closely study what is being revealed to us here. We are no longer limited to playing the role of the subject of our own experience because now we have learned to let it go so that we can watch and we can look in there to see, to taste the experience of this moment. We become the students of pain or whatever we are experiencing in the body or in consciousness. And it lends us to easing the pain or cooling the joy or excitement or fear or worry. The mind will do that naturally. It has no choice. It begins to settle, to go inward, towards its center, balancing. What a critical point of investigation this is. A moment when we are free to let go immediately the dukkha, the suffering rooted in our distorted perception of what is happening. We may have lived in this way for years or lifetimes. Instead of thinking of it as my suffering, now we pull out the pin of ownership and we just know this as pain.
or as happiness. We're learning how to know the moment without ownership. Not mine. Not who I am. Not a person in pain. But just pure sensation. So we enter the gate of insight into a very distinguishing mark of the Buddha's teachings. The core of the coreless, the understanding of emptiness itself. We are all of us tasting it this minute. Losing something right now. Headed for heartache somewhere on this long road of life. And we have the choice to feel it or shut down. To be liberated by it or to cower in the face of it. Nothing. Nothing is really bigger than us and unbearable. Nothing has any power over us other than what we give it due to our fear. Fear of fear. Something will always arise to hold us. A new thought, a new song, a new moment, a flower growing in a vase, a beam of light on the windowsill, the memory of a friend, a great feeling of warmth in the heart, growing and gaining strength within itself. There is one little thing to remember. We don't have to do it all today. All we have to do today is this moment, this breath, here and now. The rest will come as a result of one good breath, one mindful present moment's attention on the breath. From that will emerge our whole life. We will be healed by it, blessed by it. Maybe we won't get the job we wanted, but we will have something. We don't know what. We hate not knowing, don't we? We have to know. But that's just ego. And we can let it go. Not knowing is a different style. We're not used to it. So the old ego throws a tantrum and hates it. But we 
accept not knowing and grow content with that. This is the practice of gratitude. Practice gratitude and grow content. Breathe with ease in that contentment. This is a little renunciation. We give up and we're willing to give up. This is volunteer work. We chant our hearts out. We ask for these healthy ways from ourselves. And we learn that practice works. We just have to breathe and give ourselves permission to be happy. I was reflecting that for myself. All that is left in life is to be witness to the lives and deaths of myself and everyone I know, beloved family members, all my friends, teachers, colleagues, peers, neighbors, the world. It's amazing to be with someone who accepts dying peacefully, content with oneself. A life well lived. No regrets. Ready. No matter where the wave puts us down, we're like waves in the ocean. It doesn't mean we don't go fully ahead with treatment and healing options. One who has really incarnated the practice stays with the body to its end, but is at the same time fully alive in death, like being burnished in the fire. How to practice this? We try to be mindful of what we're saying to ourselves and feel the tone of it. If we hear dark and terrible words, we stop. We stop with the first word, if possible, or the second word, if possible, or the third word, if possible. But we have to practice, finally, even when the mind begins to lean in that direction, we just stop and breathe. We breathe a breath of compassion for ourselves, and we begin again with something positive to say about what we truly are. We feel gratitude. 
we assess the blessings of life, we bring up the joy of our health or our good fortune or our beloved family members, friends, or the fact that the mind is still functioning, or we live in a peaceful country. So many reasons to be happy. This is how we can undo old habits and conditionings and keep the mind true. Keep it in a natural state of indestructible happiness. This is emotional responsibility. This is wise. Not judging or blaming, but being accountable. Learning how to really love. We have to practice kindness and find that that energy, that loving kindness within us. We learn again how to feel that, to see that, not to belittle ourselves or others. And nothing that life brings will be wrong in and of itself. This is a a well-being that starts with right seeing of the way things really are and not from a perspective of the way we wish things would be or the way we think things should be or from calling them my suffering or my pain or my grief. But we remove the personal thorn and we look objectively with compassion, with appreciation, with acceptance, with a willingness to experience life with all its turbulence and thunder so that we can be exuberant or at least reverent, grateful and joyful for this process. These attitudes will gift us with integrity because we become balanced. Our perspective allows us to include what is dark or what is light. Choosing only so-called happiness is sterile. It's not strength. But when we choose wholeness, which includes all, everything, the darkness and the light, then we're fearless. We have nothing to fear. This is an unconditional love. Fearlessness comes from love. Naturally, 
We have to be patient. Patience teaches us to let go, control, and wait. We watch, we listen. We are with all that is happening, not judging it. We're trying not to fear our fear. Even when we've advanced spiritually, fearful feelings may still arise, but they will not shake us. They will be like truant demons that just need a telling off or a side glance, and they'll run away, realizing that they can't mess around here not even for a moment. That's how we want to develop, to train ourselves, to be so mindful, to know fear for what it is, and when it arises, we call it by its true name. We treat it like an imposter. We send it on its way. And off it will go to the silence of the mind. Slowing down is going to help us do this. To understand how the mind works, using the antidotes to greed and hatred, we incline ourselves to loving-kindness and compassion, the gratitude that is joyful, and the balance of holding all conditions. We're in tune with our true nature so that eventually we don't have to practice these higher states of mind. They just become our natural abiding boundless and free.